are familiar with Gary Larson's cartoons. They're called The Far Side. And I don't know if you've seen these. They're little one-scene drawings that often just have a one-line, you know, tagline underneath that kind of make you laugh, whether it's something that they're playing off of, something in culture or whatever. It's kind of just funny. And so I asked some of my friends, hey, what is your favorite Far Side cartoon out there? And so here's some of the responses. One of them says, at the bottom of a slide, there are two spiders, or there are two spiders, and they have built a spider web so that anyone who slides down the slide will go right into the spider web. And at the bottom of it, it says, if we pull this off, we'll eat like kings. And so it's just kind of one of those comical things that you just kind of can see what's happening. There's another one that was sent to me. Uh, there are two people in a car, and they are driving up to a church that has a sign that says drive through window. Well, out of the stained glass window that has opened up, a priest is handing out communion. And one person says to the other, well, maybe we've expected the church to adapt to our lifestyle too much. And so you just kind of see this, huh, I wonder, you know, these kind of make you think a little bit. There was one that was sent that there's a sign outside of a building. It says Midvale School for the Gifted. And you see a child at the door pushing but he's struggling. There's clearly a sign that says pull. <laughs> you just kind of laugh at that. There was one that has two fishermen in a boat and you see a shark coming up from the bottom of the cartoon. And simply it says, there it goes again, that eerie music. <laughs> you can just kind of connect that with the movie. But then there was one that there are these two deer who are standing upright in the forest and one deer is looking to the other, his friend, and he clearly has a target on his chest. And the bottom simply just says, bummer of a birthmark, Hal. And you know, you think about, man, of all things to be born with, you got this target. And I think all of us have felt like Hal the deer at times. Like it seems like there is a target on our chest and it's hunting season, like arrows, our section of scripture that we're looking at today from Ephesians 6 says that there are flaming arrows from the evil one being sent directly at every single one of us. What are some of those arrows? We've already talked about some of the lies that Satan loves to use. That maybe you're worthless or you're a failure or you're alone. And those arrows come shooting right at us with the intent to hurt us or bring us down. Sometimes maybe the arrows are simply things like a sickness. It can be a temporary one, just real short. It's just frustrating. It kind of stops you from what you're wanting to do. Or it could be one of those long-term sicknesses that really does just change everything. Maybe some of those arrows are things like entertainment that we get stuck in. And maybe we're like, well, originally it wasn't so bad, but maybe the things we watch or we invest our time in begins to affect us. And these arrows are being shot at us. Maybe we could just talk about some struggles that happen in marriage. Again, those could be huge things that have just been building up over time. Or it could be that thing that you come home and it just wasn't the way that you expected, but it's that, that little arrow that's trying to maybe just take you down or cause some tension in the family. Or maybe it's not marriage, but it's parenting issues. Your kids just continue to bicker. They don't just listen to stop it. Like, why not? But like just the frustration that maybe can build or... There's moments that you have to discipline because of choices. And like just arrow after arrow can be shot at us. 
Maybe it's things like just the idea you feel like you do not have enough time and everything continues to just mount up. And it's like, how am I ever going to catch up with all of these things? Or maybe it's not time, but maybe you have conveniences or resources that have been taken away for some reason. I mean, I think about Job and in one day he loses all of his stuff, all of the things that he has earned, which then includes his family. And then as we talked about sickness, he's feeling all these things and arrow after arrow was being shot at him. Maybe for you, the arrows that you're feeling right now have something to do with your job. Maybe it's a boss, maybe it's a coworker, or tasks that you're having to accomplish. Maybe it's possible layoffs that are happening. And I know for a lot of you, just this vaccine mandate is very much an arrow that you're feeling right now. Maybe we could just simply talk about this idea of the Christian lifestyle versus our culture. And you're trying to figure out what exactly am I supposed to live? Like, how do I do this? What is acceptable to go, okay, this is all right, but what is not? And just these little arrows sometimes get you from where you're not watching. Like when you think about some of these things, maybe there are moments from your life that you look back and go, man, that arrow, it struck hard. Like it hit me hard, or maybe that arrow, it almost took me out. Or maybe you would even say there was that set of arrows. It caused me for a time in my life not to live as a Christian. Like I was not winning the battle in those moments. From our text, I think about the type of arrow that is mentioned, a flaming arrow, one that has been set on fire, and it spreads wherever it lands. Have you ever felt like that in life? Like something that was an attack on you or sin that was in your life. It just kept growing and growing. And it was hard to stop. And with all of these arrows, there are battles that maybe you just kind of feel like waving the white towel. You just kind of say, I'm done. Like, I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to try anymore. And yet God has given us armor to be able to stand against these arrows so that we can suit up and be victorious. And so we have been, we've been looking at the armor of God and Paul writes using these very physical pieces and trying to tie them into spiritual attributes that God gives to us. And so we talked about this belt that is very foundational and the belt of truth, that we need truth. We looked at this breastplate that covers your major organs and it is all about righteousness and who we are in God. We looked at these feet, these shoes that are ready. We have a good foundation, and it's all based in the peace that God gives to us. And he used this idea of a sword, this offensive weapon, and we have the word of God. And so today, it's simply the shield of faith. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, it says, In addition to all of this that we've talked about already, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And so let's start by describing the physical shield. You see, Paul's listeners would have known exactly what he meant. But since we have a cultural burial, a cultural barrier and a language barrier, like we need to spend a few moments to be able to understand this. That shield that Paul speaks of, it's not a small shield. It's not like a Captain America kind of round type shield. It's something that was not super easy just to transport and use. Instead, this Roman shield was about four feet tall by about two and a half feet wide. And it often had two layers of wood that were glued together. And then it was covered by some sort of hide or leather and then bound with iron or metal on the edges. 
And sometimes, because of the flaming arrows that were used in battle that had been dipped in pitch and then lit on fire, the shields too would be dipped in water before the day of battle. And if you use this shield correctly, it really could cover and protect all of you from the arrows that were coming towards you. One final bit of information on the shield itself. The military could actually use them as a joint protection if they assumed what's called the tortoise formation or the testudo formation. What would happen is soldiers would come together in a very tight formation and the front soldiers would keep their shields in front of them to where there was not a gap even between. They'd get up right next to one another almost to create a wall. And then the soldiers who were in the back would hold their shields up on top to protect from any arrows that would come from that direction. And in this formation, your shield was used for a greater purpose than just protecting you, but also for protecting others as well. And so, as we transition to thinking about this spiritual armor that God has given to us, like we have been given a shield that can protect us from every arrow that Satan directs at you. And that shield is called faith. Faith. Like that's a word that we use a lot in church, but like how well would you be able to describe it to somebody else? Like what is faith? And how would you describe it, let's say, to a kindergartner? The reason I ask that is because when we're placed in situations where you have to teach someone else or you have to tell someone else about what you know, like it opens your eyes to whether you really know that much about it or not, like especially when you have to explain it in pretty simple terms. And so therefore, let's look at faith. Let's explain it very simply this morning. So what is faith? Well, first off, faith is a belief. Faith is a belief. The word faith has an aspect of trusting and relying upon something or someone. And so this morning, you may have shown faith that your alarm would wake you up at the time that you said it the night before. You didn't think about it, but you hoped, you trusted that it would wake you up. For some of you, maybe you showed faith that that expiration date on your milk carton was correct as you poured it on your cereal. You know, maybe you didn't think about it. Maybe you did smell it just to make sure. I don't know. For some of you, you're showing faith that your family was going to be in the car at the appointed time, and some people let you down, but some of you made it. Some of you, when we're talking about faith, like you're sitting in that chair right now, you're showing faith that that chair will hold you up during the rest of the worship service. And again, some of you never thought about that, but now for the rest of the service, you're like, man, I hope this holds me up. As we're talking about faith, maybe you are showing faith in me that I spent the time studying for this sermon and am accurately handling the word of God. Second service, they may be showing faith later that I'm going to keep the sermon to the allotted amount of time so they can beat other people, you know, from churches to the restaurant of their choice. Like there's all these ways that we talk about faith, that we talk about trusting. And so faith is a belief or a trust that you have in something or someone. It can be small or it could be very large. It could be something that is pretty much second nature and you don't even think about it a whole lot. Or it could also take a lot of focus and effort for you to follow through with. And so when we're talking about faith, in regards to faith with God, it means first that I believe he is real. Like there's different experiences that can cause each one of us to believe in him. Maybe there are evidences that you have seen in other people, or maybe throughout history, 
or maybe as you study the Word of God. Maybe for you there are moments when you cry out and somehow you know that God is listening. Maybe for some of you there are simply just those feelings of peace within the storm that we looked at last week. And yet even as I mention all of these areas, we know that faith is not limited to our five senses. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith, it's being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It doesn't just require our five senses. It said that there was a man who fell off a cliff, but he managed to grab a tree limb on the way down. And so then this following conversation ensued. It said, is anyone up there? To which he said, I'm here. I'm the Lord. Do you believe me? Well, yes, Lord, I believe. I really believe. But I can't hang on much longer. Well, that's all right. If you believe me, then you have nothing to worry about. I will save you. Just let go of the branch. And so there's this moment of pause. And then he says, is anyone else up there? I think about that. Because faith, it can be difficult at times since we can't just rely on our five senses. I mean, anyone can believe what they see. Like, I believe that you are sitting here because I can see you. But faith has an aspect of believing without seeing. In fact, in John chapter 20, verse 29, Jesus told the disciples that blessed are those who don't physically get to see me, and yet they still believe. And today, we can be sure, we can be certain of God, and not solely based on that which we see. But Romans 1.20, it does say that everyone can believe in God simply by looking around at the world. They can see his qualities in creation. But to really know more about God, Romans 10.17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, you and I, we can have faith or a belief that God is real. But it doesn't just stop there. Like, we can also have faith that he is who he says he is. Why? Because he's proven himself to be faithful, to be unchanging. Like, he has been love, and he continues to love. He demonstrates humility and servitude. His truth holds up against scrutiny. And that which God's word proclaims about him, or that which Jesus even said about himself while he was on this earth, those are ever constants to his character. And again, sometimes that's what allows us to fight against the lies of Satan, those arrows, and it helps us to trust him during the chaos in our lives. Like we can have faith or belief that God is who he says he is. But to take it one step further, we can also have faith or this confidence that God will fulfill every promise he's ever made and that he will carry out his salvation. Like since God has kept every promise he's made so far, it makes sense that he will continue to do so in the future. And one of the biggest promises that God makes to us is that if we believe him, if we trust him, if we place our faith in him, we will be saved. And for a lot of you in this room, like if you've chosen him as your savior, like this probably comes relatively easy for you. Like in your heart, you know, I get to go to heaven. And so maybe there's even a lot of days that you don't just think a whole lot about it. It's almost second nature because you hold on to that truth. You have that faith. And we read that the Holy Spirit chooses to live inside of us as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And God will keep his promise. 
he will carry out his salvation to all who follow him. Which is great for us to remember. Because maybe right now you are currently in a pretty tough circumstance. And you're wondering, God, can you really handle this situation? Like, this seems pretty big. Like, may I remind you that God took all the sin of the world for all time in one moment on the cross. We can have faith that he can handle your situation. Even if it doesn't end the way that we want it to, he's got you. I look at the people in Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the faith chapter. And these people, they believed God's promises, like sometimes in spite of apparent hopelessness due to the circumstances that surrounded them. And I'm reminded that I can believe God will keep his promises and bring me home to him that day. Faith. It means having a confidence, a certainty, a trust, a belief, an assurance. Faith in God means that you have that confidence in him. You're certain that you can rely upon him, that you trust his word and his promises, that you believe in his plan and his will, and that you have the assuredness that God will do what he's promised to do. And Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We can have faith in God. We can have a belief in him. But faith, it doesn't stop there. You see, faith is also an action. Faith is an action. It's not just enough to know what you believe or to know who you believe in, but it also requires living it out. There's a difference between belief and faith. You see, belief is an inward conviction, but faith is not only an inward conviction, but it's also an outward action. Or belief, it's accepting the promises of God that you have in the Bible, but faith is acting on those promises. Belief is what we base our life upon, but faith is how we live out that Christian life. And if you want to argue that there really isn't a difference between belief and faith, I'd simply point you towards James chapter 2, verse 19, that says, even the demons believe in God, and they even shudder, and they tremble. But that doesn't mean that they follow him. They don't have faith. You see, faith is an action. Romans 1, 16 and 17, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then it says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. For it is written, The righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Living by faith, that is an action. And so that can be played out in a couple ways. First, we have what's called saving faith. Saving faith. At some point, when we choose to place our trust in God, when we choose to believe in Him, when we actively accept His gift of grace, and when we rely on what Christ did at the cross, we are saved. That is a saving faith. What's referred to in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, when it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, It is the gift of God. And so by faith, we accept, we respond to him. That is a saving faith. 
But then there's also what some people call practical faith. This means that now that we've placed our trust in him, we must act on it. And so we believe that God's ways are the best. And so we follow his ways. We know that he's in control. And so we stop trying to be. We trust that forgiveness really works. So even though I don't feel like giving that to the person who's hurt me, I still will offer it. We treat others with respect and compassion. We serve. We make sure that our words and our actions point to Him. Essentially, we choose to live each day in obedience to Him. And we live by the words in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 that say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. There are times that I wish that verse ended and he will make the paths go the way you want. Like not just straight, but can they go the way that I want? But that's not the way the verse ends. And yet, even in the moment that it doesn't go the way that I want, we can still walk by faith. Maybe you've had those moments where you simply ask God, God, I'd really like some more faith right now. Like in whatever circumstance you're in, like if you, you feel like, God, if I had a stronger faith, like you could use me to do so much more. Maybe if I had just a little bit more right now, I'd be able to make it through this situation so much better. I think about the father who brought his demon-possessed son to Jesus. And he says, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. In the areas that I'm just not fully able to grasp on, will you come in and help me in this area? And the great thing is, God says all we need is faith like a mustard seed. Like That's enough. That's enough. God can use that if we hand that over to him. But just like anything else in life, we have to learn how to use it, how to take care of this faith. And so we ask God to accept our faith and help it to grow. And do you know when faith often grows? It's in those moments when we completely put our trust in him. And we step out saying, okay, I'm gonna do what you want me to. And in that moment, he comes through. And so your strength, your faith, your trust is built. And so next time, I'm going to take another step, just a little bit farther from where my comfort zone was. And God continues to build that faith in each one of us. And yet there's also another time that sometimes our faith grows. It's when we pray and ask, and he answers, but we don't get the answer that we want. Like those moments too can allow our faith to grow. Like maybe we lost our job or our spouse did not change their mind and they still left. Or the person that we've been praying for for a long time didn't make it. Man, in those moments, we wish we never had to experience those. And yet, our faith can grow too because we experience God in new ways. We see a nearness. We see how he sustains us in a way that we were never completely aware of before. Like even if we knew it in our minds, we haven't experienced it. But now we know who he is and that he is who he says he is. And yet sometimes still in those situations, it's those moments that we really need our fellow brothers and sisters to come alongside of us, to help shield us from the flaming arrows that are being sent our way. And so we follow what Galatians 6 says, and we help to carry each other's burdens. 
we assume the proper formation to protect each other. And in doing so, this is an act of faith, an action step that as it is done correctly, it's one of the greatest witnesses to the world that they can see true faith in Jesus. As we're talking about this idea of faith and it even being an action, I want to point out this idea that we are called to do good works to show the fruit of our salvation. But hear me when I tell you, we are not saved by our works. You and I, we're not saved by the good things we are, that we do. That is evidence of our faith. Like our faith does not make God move. It doesn't make him a genie. It doesn't make him a puppet. But it does give us direct access to God. But not the power itself. You see, God is the one who has power. Our faith does not necessarily change anything. But our faith draws us close to him. And he is able to do the changing. And so we trust in him. And then that even causes an action in us. James chapter 2 says, faith without works is dead. And so it's the evidence of what God does in our lives. So if we're explaining faith, it is a belief and it's also an action. But why would Paul place faith as a weapon? Like in all these things, why would he put faith there? Here's why. Because this faith that we have is not in ourselves but it is in someone who is greater than us. We have this faith, this confidence, this trust, this hope that when these flaming arrows are shot at us, it takes away their power, it takes away their sting. And when circumstances are rough, we know that the battle that we see around us is not the end game. We live for something greater, or rather, someone greater. Just ask those in Hebrews 11 that they didn't receive their reward while they were here on earth, but they are experiencing the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God right now. The song that we sang right before the sermon was talking about giving me faith. And one of the lines, just, it says, give me faith to trust what you say, that you're good and your love is great. God, help me to remember, help me to believe that you are who you say you are. We sing, I'm broken inside. I give you my life. I need you. And so here's my saving faith and here's my faith that I will live each day in the ways that you want me to. We sing, because I may be weak, but your spirit is strong in me. I cannot do this on my own. There is no way, but I will hold on to you and your promises. And we said, my flesh may fail, but God, you never will. There are going to be moments of weaknesses, moments that I don't hold as tight as I should, but God, I can place my faith in you every single time. Because time and time again, you come through. You never fail. We can place our faith in him, both the saving kind of faith and the practical daily faith. And that faith is what protects us from every single arrow that is being shot at you. Let me remind you, we don't armor up to look good. We don't armor up just to do the right things. We don't even armor up simply for protection. The purpose of suiting up is that when that day of evil comes and we are finished fighting, that you and I, we will still be standing strong with Christ. Faith helps us to do that. And this morning, 
if you need to step out for that first time saying, God, I need you. Like, I can't do this on my own. If you want that saving faith, that first uh, response to him, then we'd encourage you to go to one of the decision points as we're singing this song. And if you need prayer for anything, because the battle's weighing heavy on you, we want to come alongside as the church, all putting up our shields together because we're fighting this together. If you have a decision, head to the decision point. Let's stand and sing. Thank you.